Welcome to a special preview edition of The Fight with Teddy Atlas. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by legendary trainer and the newest Hall of Fame member, the great Teddy Atlas. Teddy, it's good to be with you. I appreciate it. Uh, you're a little too kind, but thank you. Appreciate <laughs> that. Um, I, I know that the people out there, because even though I don't look at the internet, you guys do, and my son does, you know, he's... Uh, assistant director of scouting for the Raiders. So he's got to scout, look at things, my daughter too. And I get told that sometimes you guys like the different shirts. So once again, I'm proving that Teddy does have a lot of old shirts. <laughs> um, this is from the 2012, I did four Olympics for NBC. And this is from the 2012 Olympics. And That's um, a good one. The reason why I'm, I selected this today is because we're going to be talking in our previews about, not right away, but one of the guys we're going to be talking about is a guy that was an Olympian, not in the 2012, but I think the 2008 games, one of the ones I covered. So I figured because of that, let me wear, uh, let me break out the Olympic shirt. Good From, man, staying on theme. Yeah, staying on theme and again, showing that I like old stuff. Before we jump into the first fight I want to discuss with you, let me give a special shout out to our um, inaugural sponsor, 10,000, uh, manufacturer of the top of the line uh, workout apparel, specializing in um, shorts of all kinds, gym shorts, running shorts, anything you're into, they've got you covered. They've really mastered the art of shorts. Um, you can check them out on 10,000.cc slash the fight for an exclusive offer to our fans and listeners. They really are top of the line. Uh, I spend a lot of time running to the people who listen to the show, know that, and uh, finding the right pair of shorts to um, train in, especially in the heat, is critical. And uh, I really love what these guys are doing. And again, I want to emphasize, we reached out to them. They didn't reach out to us. We reached out to them because it's a product that our producer, Rob Moore, and I really like and enjoy. So we reached out to them, asked them if they'd be interested in partnering with us. And I know, Teddy, you've tried them in the gym as well. And uh, yeah, excited to have them involved with us. And if you like them, please support them. Let them know you heard about them on the show. And that's the best way you can yeah, help see us. good for you. We can't do this without sponsors. We can't do this. So if there's something you like about what we do, um, go get some shorts. And these guys have two thousand over 2,000 five-star reviews, and they've got an exclusive 30-day return policy. Buy the shorts, try them out. If you don't like them, send them back, and they'll give you your and money back. And listen, we're not being anything special, but we wouldn't, I know I wouldn't, and I feel the same about you. We wouldn't be promoting this if we didn't first try it. And we asked for product. I, mean, I know I did, and um, you did. We asked for product to try it, and it's good. It's uh, what you just said. You know, you can wear it. It's it's light. You can wear it, and you can sweat a lot, and it's not encumbering. It's it's not. Uh, you're the college guy. You got to fix my, uh, my <laughs> encumbering. Encumbering. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Good um, team. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. Nobody's gonna accuse me of being Orson Welles, but <laughs> it's it's exactly what he said. I'm kind of like Ali when <laughs> Cosell said, "You're a truculent young man," and Ali looked at him and said, "I don't know what that is, but if it's good, I'm in." <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I'll go. I, I'll go that way. But I tried it. It's good, and uh, you can move around in it. It's light. 
It's it's flexible. It's all the things you need for a workout, but it's one other thing. Uh, unlike you, sometimes, and see, I've, I've got to be careful about saying this because people think the wrong thing. Because I am clean. I do care about hygiene and, and everything. I do. <laughs> but sometimes I will be in a gym a long time. And instead of, you know, having time to shower, I might take out the wet shirt, the T-shirt that I wore in the gym, and put a polo shirt on to grow up something tea. <laughs> and I can grab a polo shirt. I'll take a shower. Don't worry. Before the night's over, I take the shower. <laughs> but I can put on a polo shirt with these shorts and go out to eat and look okay. So you get two things with it. You kill two birds with one stone. You get a great pair of pants to wear in a workout in the gym. And if you don't have time to take a shower, you can go out and get something to eat with them. I couldn't have said it better myself. And that brings us to the first fight I want to talk to you about. I'm super excited about, super excited about this one. Friend of the show and a guy that's become a good, close, personal friend of mine in California, Andrew Cancio, rematching Alberto Machado and uh, this coming weekend in Indio and um, Fantasy Springs, a place I know you spent a lot of time with Friday Night Fights and ESPN. But tell me what you're looking for in this fight and what you see, how you see the fight playing out and what the result, what result you're looking for there. You know, it's, uh, rematch is always very interesting, especially when one of the guys rematching was a former champion who was undefeated, and he's coming off his first loss. You find out how he's going to behave. You get an x-ray into human nature, into human behavior, how he's going to act. It's got a lot to do with his background. It's got a lot to do with the person, uh, what they've been through, what they haven't been through, what their experiences have been, not just in the ring, in life. Yeah, a lot, a lot. And I, I I see a little comparison of you fight fans out there and probably wouldn't be here if you're not a fight fan. Um, I don't think you're here because uh, you're just a fan of the nice shirts that Ken wears all the time. <laughs> the uh, great Tom Brown. Yeah, he's, he's fashionable, Ken. He really is. Me, not so much. I try to support so my much. friends. Tom Brown no. has been a friend of mine for a long time. But I think there's a little comparison. There was a fight. I was one of the first guys to have him pound for pound, and then it was very easy to have him pound for pound uh, when it, it became very fashionable to do that. Now, the guy, before I say who he is, he obviously was more experienced. He was at a higher level of acclaim. I, I understand all that. I get it. Uh, before you take your knives out and just sharpen them up a little bit. I, But I think it's a valid comparison where I'm going to go with. But the fighter that was Roman Gonzalez, Chocolito. Oh, yeah. Now, tremendous. And I remember putting him on my pound-for-pound pound list. He wasn't on anyone's pound-for-pound, pound, I don't think, at that point, even though he'd been around for a while. But at a lighter weight class and not a lot of recognition. So... He he's undefeated, of course. Again, a lot more resume, a lot more fights than than Machado. I understand that, uh, and a better fighter. But he's he fights a guy who's a veteran, just like Concio, a veteran hardened guy from Thailand. And this is where I might need you again because of your college degree. Uh, 
Rong, Rongvise, Rongvise. I think I pronounced that right, actually. Close enough. Yeah. And it's a long name. I mean, it's like Surasaket Saw Rongvise. The Thai uh, guy who beat Chocolatito. Yeah, there, there it, it is. I'm going to be kind of like, uh, I hate to do that because Marv Albert listens to our podcast. And he's a good friend and he's the greatest, I think, at what he does. And when I did my first Olympics with him in Sydney, I couldn't pronounce one of the fighters, so I took the easy way out. I shouldn't have. But I took the, and I said, and the Hungarian in the blue. And, <laughs> and Marv was like, no, 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 you can't do that. <laughs> Teddy, Teddy can't do that <laughs> uh, you know, we got to get the researcher in here and get the phonetic spelling and we did uh our researcher was a great guy and he was funny though he was it got you a little nervous because he's a researcher you know he's supposed to give you the right pronounced answer and so he said me and marv looked at him he said so how do you pronounce that he goes just now you think you're gonna get like a real expert <laughs> right? I yeah, mean, yeah. you know, you, you go to a doctor, you're probably going to say, what's the diagnosis? You figure you're going to hear some words you've never heard before. Yeah. You know, it's going to be a little complex. <laughs> Not complex. He says, he looks at me in my right eyes and he says, and it was, the, the word was about this long. <laughs> and he looks at us and says, just smooth it out. <laughs> Marv said, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Did you say just smooth it out? in the way that only Marv Albert could say. And yeah, just smooth it out. So I'm just smoothing it out. And uh, so I, the last name is Rung Vize, uh, the guy, as you said, from Thailand. So he goes into the fight against Trocolito, huge underdog, like Machado. But what does he have? He's grizzly. He, he's, he's hardened. He's, he's forged. Yeah, he's had losses. He's tasted defeat. He's hungry. Uh, you know, he, he's <laughs> he's tough. And um, and it's time. You never know when somebody's time till you know. But it was his time. And he goes in that fight and he pulls off a huge upset. A lot of people forget about that. Huge upset. Huge. And he beats Trogolito. Now they have a rematch. Now, the first one was went 12 rounds, tough fight, tough fight. And now they got a rematch. Of course, in this fight, we're talking about when Machado Concio, Concio stopped him in the fourth after being on the floor. And they go in the rematch, and a lot of people think, like they think with Machado, some mm -hmm. people, that, okay, it's going to go back to form, and the champion will regain his title. Nope. Well, Gizzi... Ovizi had obviously a different idea. And he goes in there with the great Chocolito, and he was considered great at that time. Oh, I remember right? like it was yesterday. He goes in there with him. Not only does he win the rematch, he wins it easier. He breaks him down, mm -hmm. stops him in four rounds, destroys him, breaks him. He he broke him because he he had no more. He didn't feel he could be better. Chocolito didn't feel he could be better than he was that first one. And this guy could be better because he hadn't been to the top of the mountain yet. He could be better. And he was ready to be better. And Chocolito wasn't ready to be better. And so the fighter from Thailand, I'll take the easy way out, he broke him. 
I see, I'm going to go down that path a little bit in my handicapping of this fight for those out there that care about such things. I'm going to pick Machado. I'm not going to pick Machado, the, the ex-champion, to come back. I'm going to pick the Grizzly veteran, Conzio. What's a little different here is that the reason I'm going to pick Conzio, one of the reasons, is Machado's never been to those difficult places that Mr. Conzio's been, that he's lived in. He's lived in those places, those uncomfortable places, those lonely places, those scary places. And so Machado doesn't know if he can get go back to there. Cancio knows he can go through that. He's been down that block. He's been down that road. He's been down that alley, that dark alley that, you know, you pass by and you... I've, uh, you've heard stories about, you know, should I go down? I, it's a, I, I could get to where I'm going maybe a little quicker if I go down there, but I've heard some scary things about going down there. Some scary things happen. You could get mugged going down there. You could get hurt going down there. It could be really scary going down there. I don't know. Machado doesn't know if he can go down that alley. He doesn't know. This guy, Cancio. Like I said, he's lived in it. He lived in it. He lived in a cardboard box in it, for, for you might as well say. Uh, so he's been there. He knows he can go down that road. He can go down that alley and whatever it is that will present itself. And Machado doesn't know. And on top of it, Machado's being asked to go somewhere he's never had to go before after being beaten for the first time, all that confidence being shattered, Taken away, his title taken away from him. All of that taken away from him by this grisly, tough veteran, Concio, who's been there before. He's being asked, Machado, to go and do it again without a tune-up, without a confidence. The old times would call it a confidence builder. Without that fight to let him know, I'm okay. See, now, a lot of people wouldn't understand that because... Well, of course, Teddy's a fighter. So he doesn't know just like you wouldn't know if you just failed in front of a board meeting or if you just failed, you know, in whatever it is that you happen to do for a living, maybe as a coach. With you, now you got to come back. You don't know if you can make it right. He doesn't know if he's okay. It's even tougher because the physicality to it. He doesn't know. The last time he was in the ring with somebody named Conzio, he was on the floor, semi-removed from his consciousness. So he doesn't know if he can be whole again. He doesn't know if he can handle that. He doesn't know if he can take that punch or avoid that punch for that matter. He doesn't know. I'm going with the guy that there's more known about. I'm going with Concio where we he knows. He knows he could get off the floor. That's how he won the damn title. That's how he won it. He knows he can go there. The other guy doesn't. So I'm going to go with the known over the unknown. I don't do it all the time. But I'm going to in this one. I'm going to pick Concio. I'm going to say that winning the title fortified him. Made him better. Made him realize that all those years of trolling around in a very, very 
my God, one of the toughest businesses you can be in, trying to make it for his family and all the things and the trials and tribulations, the ups and downs that he's been through, the doubts. There's a chance not to have doubts now. And now he goes in with the belt and he's the yeah. champion that could add a 10, 20% toughness well, the right old, there alone. I'm glad you brought that up. The old timers that I go by and I was brought up by, like Customano and been around guys like Freddie Brown and those guys, Freddie Brown was with Ray Arcel. The two of them did the unbelievable job with Roberto Duran when mm -hmm. Duran was a lightweight, mm -hmm. when he came to this country, when he made his bones, when people found out about him, when he knocked out Ken Buchanan in the garden, a great boxer from mm -hmm. London. Love you guys in London. How you still <laughs> good? You're my guys. You know that. You know that. None but love over the course of bond. And Buchanan was a textbook boxer. And Duran, he might have hit him low. That, that might have been a low blow a little bit. I'm not sure. But he went to the body, put water in his basement, took him apart. And, you know, so those old timers, they used to always say, Cuss was the main one. He was my mentor. Teddy, winning the title makes you 30% better. It, it makes you, it improves you. Just, just winning the title improves you 30%. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure that into the equation with my pick. All of that, everything I just said. And I'm going to go with the known over the unknown. And I'm going to say, kind of like what I said in the Fury short fight when I was so, so sure that Schwartz had no chance, unlike Ruiz, where he wound up having a chance. You know why Ruiz had a chance? Everyone says, oh, because he caught him behind the ear. Oh, because, you know, he, he, he threw the kind of punch which I brought up to, that he kind of, you know, uh, exploited when a tall guy, by, when a tall guy, you want to adjust my volume? No, no, bit? it's I good. Sorry. When, when a tall guy stands straight up, when is being tall not an advantage? When the tall guy stands straight up close to the shorter guy. Because now there's a lot of territory to hit. There's a mm -hmm. lot of surface to hit. It's like these tall buildings in Manhattan, skyscrapers. There's a lot of windows to break. And Ruiz broke windows. Mm -hmm. So he exploited that floor. So a lot of people say, so that's why he won. Because he exploited that floor. Also the floor of Joshua uh, pulling straight back. Yeah. All those things. No, 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 no. Yeah, those things are true. But the reason why Ruiz is heavyweight champ of the world is because he's mentally tough. Because he got off the floor. That's why. That's that and that's why I said that unlike because people were on that. You know, people get on things. You know, you get on themes. You, you know, something starts happening. You say, okay, maybe it could, there could be a pattern here. Maybe we're going to get another upset. It was a week later, two weeks later. You're going to get an upset. And I said on his air, and I said on ESPN, uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. You're not getting an upset with short because he's empty in the one area you can't be empty. In the area of how to behave like a fighter. That's one area that you can't be empty. You can't be empty in that area. And... Schwartz was empty in that area. And that's why I said he had no chance. You know, oh, someone always has a chance. I heard one of the commentators on the years, 245-pound guy, that's what Schwartz went. Mm -hmm. If he hits you, you go. Mm, no. <laughs> some people just say, no, I ain't going. He actually people, landed one yeah, shot, and it seemed to piss yeah, off yeah, uh, Fury and yeah, put an end to it say, right there. Uh, I'm not going. No, yeah. I'm <clears throat> not going. Uh, put on another 10 pounds, 
instead of 245 it become 255 and i'm still not going so the one thing component the one you know ingredient that was the most important thing that was missing and that was there was missing with shorts and was there with Ruiz was the ability to be mentally tough right i don't know yet i don't know yet if Machado has that ability. I'm not saying he don't. I'm not saying he don't. Well, if you're judging I, by the first I, I, fight, I, yeah. as soon as he started to get in trouble against Andrew, and I know from speaking to him, I talked to him on the phone yesterday, and one of the things that we discussed is he said, as soon as I got to him, I saw his face change and his, his He'd body He'd never been landed. there before. Exactly. And I, he doesn't know. he doesn't know if he can get out of there. That's right. Because he hasn't had that. See, that's why the old timers would like uh, a tune-up. And I, I happen to be a believer of that. Yeah. To find out if you're okay. You know, when Michael Moore got, when we got stopped by George Foreman, it was devastating. I mean, devastating. I mean, well, listen, you got stopped by one of the greatest punchers of all time. Uh, one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. But, but you still, you got stopped that way and the guy's 45 years old and, you know, it was devastating. And I remember we we were going to get another, we wanted a rematch. Mm -hmm. It never happened. But then we were going to get another shot at the title, which we did against Axel Schultz in Germany in, in a soccer stadium with 35,000 people outdoors. To Michael's credit, he rose to the occasion. He regained the heavyweight title. Tremendous. Tremendous what Michael did. But, and he doesn't get enough credit, besides being the first Southpaw heavyweight champ ever. And he... The one thing I insisted on was before we go from Foreman to whoever it is, turned out to be for the title against Shaw, he had to have a tune-up. Yeah. Not a tune-up, a, a confidence builder. Mm -hmm. Confidence. Just to know he was okay. Yeah. Because the last time he was in the ring, he wasn't okay. Oh, that's a good point. And and that's one thing that you might find out if you're a backer of Machado in any way that you might be involved in his camp, involved in his career, or just a fan. You might be sitting there after about two rounds saying, oops, oops. And I think that we that is going to be the oops, case. Oops. He never found out if he was okay. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go with uh, Vacancio for all those reasons. Yeah. That's, that's my pick. I'm going to agree with you and say he stops him based on the fact, not only for all the reasons you've just mentioned, but the confidence in Andrew, number one, he got off the deck in the first round. He got caught early. Admittedly, he can start slow at times. I don't think that's going to be the case this time. He's going to be carrying the confidence of coming in with the belt. And I think that he's a little pissed off about all the excuses that um, that Freddie Roach and Machado made after the fight, saying that they struggled to make weight. Andrew took it as a, uh, a personal insult. And... You know, look, the guy works full-time. Please go back and listen to our interview a few months ago with Andrew if you want to learn more about him. And go back and watch the fight, the the first fight against Machado. He literally broke him down and took his will. It looked like Machado gave up, and he just took a knee at one point. He got hit with a body shot. Now, obviously, Andrew was landing big shots on him, but you'll see one fighter just kind of the wind goes out of his sails compared to the first round when he had Andrew on the floor. So I think Andrew stops him maybe in between the fourth and sixth rounds. Um, 
And one more other thing, I'll be curious to see if Machado makes weight. I just want to put it out there that I will not be surprised if he doesn't make weight. And I can tell you that Andrew's going to tell him, you can come in at 160, we're, we're doing this, and the weight's not going to be an issue for me. Yeah, but he's going to make him make the weight because... Yeah, of course, yeah. of course. It's not like he's going to let him come in 160 and get in the ring. No, of course, but it, he's like, then, we're, we're you know, fighting, no matter I mean, what he weighs in. Yeah, but he... he um, Obviously, that would change things because, of course, then, of course, that would mean because of the rules, that would mean boxing does have rules <laughs> sometimes. Uh, sometimes. Titles not on the line, like it does, but it it does. Uh, that would mean now that the title would no longer be on the line. That right. would mean that that would mean that Machado could not win back the title. Uh, it would mean that. It would mean that Cancio could lose, but the title wouldn't be on the line. Uh, obviously, he could lose a decision or knockout or whatever. He could lose the fight. But it would change everything, the dynamics of that. One other thing that I'll finish up with this for the handicapping of this fight is that going into the, and I think this is, we use this now as a sort of a flagstone fight now uh, because of obviously the, the drama and the, and what happened and the talk of it and just uh, how much exposure this fight got the Ruiz upset. Going into that fight where we even said on his air, you know, we, we didn't see it coming, but we even said on his air that he would be, Ruiz being he, would be a better opponent than Jarrell Miller because Miller hadn't fought anyone. Mm-hmm. And... Ruiz had one advantage. He fought Joseph Parker, and he that's a high level of heavyweights. And Very. Uh, and he knew that he belonged. He yeah. lost the majority decision to Parker. So, in, in, New Zealand, in New Zealand. So you could argue yeah, that he yeah. probably should have won. So he, he knew the most important thing that he, he took away from that wasn't the loss. He took away the confidence. A lot of people don't realize you can lose and you can win. Mm-hmm. You can lose... Sometimes you got to lose to win, to gain what you have to gain, to learn what you have to learn. So don't give up. And Ruiz, in that fight against Parker, even though he didn't get the decision, he learned that he belonged at that level. Miller don't know if he belongs to that level. He didn't know if he belonged at that level. And Cancio knows he belongs at that Machado, even though he's a champion, he doesn't know. He doesn't know. Think about it. He doesn't really know. And he, he's kind of like Mickey in the Rocky movie a little bit where I think it was the Rocky 2 where he says, he says, you, he said, Rocky, they're talking about he, Mickey didn't want him to fight. And Rocky says to him, but I beat all those guys. Of course I belong. Of course I'm that fighter. I, I beat all those guys. And Mickey looks at him, Mickey didn't want him to fight. Mickey looks at him and says, these were setups. These were setups. They were put there for you to look good. You didn't beat them. And, you know, he had nowhere to stand now. He lost, you know, he was, but that's what he had to believe, that he belonged at that, at that level. Machado is kind of like Balboa <laughs> in that way that right now, he doesn't know who he beat. Yeah. All he knows is 
when he lost the title to this legitimate guy, you know, and he, you might be thinking they were setups. They weren't. Well, Cancio was but, a 10-1 underdog but, in that but, fight. But I'm just saying that he doesn't, he doesn't know what he is right now. Mm -hmm. He's not sure what he is, the way Cancio's sure what he is. Yeah. He right now there's question marks that can't exist in a fighter's mind when he's going into a rematch with a guy that knocked him on his backside and took his title. Yeah. You can't have those questions. Yeah. He might be having those questions kind of like Rocky did when Mickey threw that at him. Mm -hmm. Like like do I belong? That that's the point I'm getting at. Yeah. Do I belong? Am I here? Am I at the level to win this fight with Cancio? So again, could it go the other way? I'll finish with this. Could it go the other way? I think this is the second time I'm finishing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Can it can it go? That's the greatness about when you when you, it's your show. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you, you can do that. But can it go the way where the former champion behaves, acts, performs, and looks like the guy everyone thought he was going to be or thought he was before? He had his title taken away. Could he wind up coming back like other guys have and show that he is that guy and redeem himself that way? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I'm going to go with Gonzio. I'm going to agree with you. And um, in the coming weeks, we'll have some special behind-the-scenes um conversations with andrew in the, uh the day of the fight and uh looking forward to spending can we, can we get as we're talking because rob i have all the faith in him mm -hmm. I, I do and if people out there love him because i think they love the video component the professionalism well, yeah the professionalism all those things but they they like movies like i do and they like where sometimes movies can become real life mm -hmm. they can they can relate to real life sometimes in different ways the one where that scene that scene that was a good one that was a good scene where Mickey's saying, you know, these were set up. <laughs> we'll we're, we're, we're find it. Rob's on we're it. And while he's doing that, I'm going to remind everyone to support our sponsor, the number one maker of sports shorts in the world, 10,000. Check them out at 10,000.cc slash the fight. Great workout shorts, running shorts, whatever you need. I hear it is. Rob got it. I knew he would. Found it. This is great. They're not getting it tomorrow, Rock. They're not getting it tomorrow, Rock. They were handpicked. Setups. Nah, they weren't setups. But they were easy. You just wonder if Machado's thinking that just a tiny bit. A tiny bit that he hasn't been here before. And if he is, he's got a problem. Yeah. Let's start to look at uh, one of the fights coming up um, the following week is... Um, Jamel Charlo and Brandon Adams for the uh, interim middleweight champ. I always like these heavier weight classes, and the Charlo brothers are hell of a super good fighters. And Brandon Adams coming off winning the um, contender show, 
He beat Shane Mosley Jr. One of the Charles brothers did get beat. Get, yep. They get knocked off that pedestal. Yep. You know. Uh, Agreed. He lost to... Um, Harrison. To Tony Harrison. Yep. Yep. From Detroit. Go ahead. Yep. So uh, he's fighting Brandon Adams, older older kid in boxing years, and he's coming off winning the uh, the TV show, The Contender, that um, I forget what network it aired on, but one of the ones that you had to pay for. And uh, between DAZN, ESPN Plus, and everything, I had reached my limit there, but I did catch some of the uh, replays. Who's that? Brandon Adams. Uh, are you sure? Yeah. I didn't know that. I, I'll tell you what I know, my history of Brandon Adams. He was on, and I'm wondering if you're, Thinking about this, back in 2014, he was on my air. I shouldn't say my air. I don't own ESPN. But when I was doing the fights for Friday Night Fights for ESPN, he was on our air back in 2014, Brandon. And he was fighting in a tournament that we did called the Boxino Tournament. Mm -hmm. it, was, uh, it was a tournament where over X amount of months, uh, weeks, months, uh, it was a you know, a progressive tournament. If you won, you kept going. Yeah. And he got, I believe, if my memory, you know, it's a few years ago, but if my memory serves me correctly, he got to the finals and where he lost to uh, to Monroe, Willie Monroe, I believe. Willie Monroe Jr. lost the unanimous decision yeah. in a 14 yeah. at Turning Stone. Yeah, Turning Stone up there. Yeah. And it was, again, it was part of the Boxino tournament. Artie Pallor was, I believe, the promoter of it. And it was on ESPN. It was, a, it was a decent tournament. And Brandon Adams, when he came into that tournament, it was, you know, it was him, his coming out party. Nobody had heard of Brandon Adams. He was just coming out, really, and getting the first taste of exposure and that level of boxing. And I liked him. I liked him. I liked his physicality. I liked, to me, he was a piece of clay that could be molded into something. But if I remember, again, if my memory is right, he did, he had a very short amateur career. So he didn't have like some of these guys have, the 100, the 150, the 200, the 250, whatever, amateur fights. He was a work in progress. His amateur, you know, his experience was going to be gotten on the job. On the job experience, baby. Uh, in the pros. So, it's a little different animal there. Oh, yeah. So he was, what I liked about him was his natural instincts. He had natural instincts, uh, good physicality. Again, I thought he was a, I'm not saying this in, a, in any way of a, uh, in a way where I'm, I hope people understand that, where I would be, uh, you know, knocking a guy saying he, he was like a, talking down yeah. in any way saying he was a piece of clay I, i'm just making a point that he was like a good pliable something to work with mm -hmm. that that i looked at him i said wow this guy with no amateur see when i evaluate a fighter i want to know how many amateurs i want to know everything everything what his background is what's happened to him in his life everything yeah what his disciplines have been what they haven't been his flaws his strengths uh from a character standpoint and I remember thinking, well, this guy's got very little or almost no amateur fights. He's got a now there's he can there's no roof. Some of these guys they have three hundred amateur fights. There's a roof. They yeah. ain't getting much better. Because mm -hmm. used to say, Teddy, if you haven't learned how to fight after three hundred amateur fights, you should go on a you should go on the corner and start selling Italian ices. Yeah, really, I don't want to sell Italian mm -hmm. ice on the corner. So uh, 
you, you should know what you're doing by now. This is the point. And a lot of those guys, they don't get better. This guy I saw, he's going to get better. And there's something to work with. There's something to mold there. But after that tournament, he lost to a more experienced guy, a good boxer, Willie Monroe Jr. His father was, or his uncle was a terrific middleweight from Philly back in the days when Philadelphia had all the great middleweights. Oh, my goodness. Boogaloo Watts, Willie the Worm Monroe. Uh, they, I mean, they had so many, so many good ones. Russell Peltz had a guy, uh, what was his name? He's going to kill me for not remembering uh, his name. He was a good puncher, a little slow on the feet, a plodding guy, but he fought everybody. He, he fought Monzon. I mean, Monzon was champion back then. A uh, lot, of, lot of great middleweights from Philly. Matter of fact, Marvin Hagler lost to one or two of them on his way up because to the credit of Hagler, he fought everybody. Everybody. That's why he became Hagler. He, you know, he was one of these guys that were, you know, just uh, being given gift baskets when he was being given fights. He he was put in real fights where that's why he became the real deal. What he became. Uh, a lot of nowadays, it's about sometimes navigating a guy away from fights that could develop you into a good fighter. You know, because you don't want to risk losing that perfect, glossy, shiny record that could get you paid. But what it keeps you from doing sometimes by navigating a guy is you don't get what you really need to get paid. You don't become that fighter. You don't get, see, in the old days, you had more great fighters because they didn't care about losing. Didn't matter. You still could fight in the garden. Yeah. You know, you could lose a fight. As long as you lost at a certain level in a certain way, you belonged. You get another fight a week later, a month later. It didn't matter. What what mattered was developing the product, developing the talent, that you were getting what you needed to be a better fighter. Now it's like you get what you need to get to that big money fight. It's a little different. It's a little different. So, so you know, Willie Willie Monroe Jr. was a good boxer. He came. I think his uncle was, as they said, Willie the Worm, one of those great middleweights yeah. from from Philly. And um, there was also, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy, really good puncher from Philly. Uh, like I said, he fought, he fought everybody. He fought Monzon. Uh, Russell Pelt's going to kill me that I couldn't remember his name. But there was a lot of good guys there. And so Brandon got exposed in that final fight for his lack of experience, the lack of amateur background, lack of experience where he hadn't developed enough to deal with that level of a boxer. Well, he was a pretty good boxer, even though Triple G took him apart. Uh, that, that's Triple G. Yeah. But he was a real good boxer. So it was a matter of, it wasn't time yet. Yeah. And since then, I know he got knocked out. I know that Brandon Adams had a loss. He got stopped. John Thompson right? in 2015. And then he so had four, four wins in a row after that. That's right. He beat Shane Mosley Jr. to win yeah. that um, contender yeah. series. So, yeah, you're right. He was the contender series. And so he he got back, you know, he got back a little bit. I don't know how far back he's gotten. Or I don't know how far forward he's gotten. I, like I said before, he wasn't ready yet. I don't know if he's ready now for Charlo. I don't, having said everything, my breakdown of the fight is that he, again, I don't know if he's still a work in progress, but without that amateur background, all the things I just touched on, I just don't, I still don't think, like he wasn't ready for Willie Monroe then. Now I know that this is five years later, 
so obviously he should be more mature and and better in certain areas. But I still don't know that he's ready for Charlo. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say that he's not. I'm going to say Charlo's going to do a little bit like Triple G did uh, with Rolls, a little bit, and invite him to the big leagues by banging him in the body a little bit and disturbing him there a little bit, reminding him that maybe you're not ready. You're, maybe you're still a work in progress. Maybe that clay hasn't been molded yet that yeah. Teddy Atlas talked about. Maybe you haven't gotten there to that place yet. And I'm going to say that Charlo, who is a good technical fighter, physically gifted fighter, undefeated fighter, uh, all those things, I'm going to say Charlo gonna, is going to win handily uh, in that fight. Yeah, I agree with you. The one thing I, I gave you bad in, inf, info in the in the no, description no. of the fight earlier with Jamel, I get them confused sometimes too. Jamal, who's coming in, is twenty eight and oh, Jamel lost to Harrison. Yeah. So no problem. But so yeah, the point I wanted to make there though is so Brandon's coming off of a really tough unanimous decision win over Shane Mosley Jr., who I really like. He's a very nice kid. He lives down the street from me in L.A. But Jamel Charlo. Versus Shane Mosley Jr. You're talking about two, a big giant step up in experience. Again, Shane didn't have a very deep uh, amateur exactly background right. as well. And maybe talent too. I mean, I think Charlo was one of the more talented guys. Yeah. So, as far as just talent. But but you're right. You make a beautiful point. I mean, uh, Shane Mosley Jr., even though his father was the uh, great fighter uh, and, you know, world champion in different weight classes, uh, he you would think maybe that he would have that amateur background, but he didn't. No. He didn't. No. I think he started late. Very. Yeah. Relative so, to the rest of these guys and Jamal Charlo, who's been fighting his whole life with his twin brother. I think they're twins. And, um, yeah, this this looks to be um, a, a walkover for Charlo, but you never know. I mean, like I said, at, there was something there that I recognized, for me, that I recognized in Adams that there was – there was some physical ability and some innate ability at that level. But he still had a long ways to go, and I don't know that he got there. And that brings us to the last fight I want to touch on before we wrap it up here, and that's the um, on June 29th, same uh, same night as the Charlo fight, we've got uh, Selecki fighting Demetrius Andrade, or An Andrade, or Andrade, um, Andra, Andrade is 27-0, and 0, fighting Selecki, 28 and We're confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we're, we're confused, guys. That's what we like to do. So 27-0 for Andrade, 28-1 and 1 for Selecki, um, Polish kid. Um, they're fighting in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. Um, the line bookmakers have uh, Andrade as a big favorite, minus 450 to plus 300 for Selecki. What are your thoughts on this one? Yes, Selecki... Stepped up, and um, I thought he made a very good showing when he did step up to that level we talk about. Because if you're going to fight for the title against a talented guy, it helps to know that you've been at that level before. Like, oh, you've done, you've been competitive at that level. Sometimes you don't have the benefit of knowing that. Right? Yeah. But like, I use it again. If it's good, use it. Uh, if it makes sense, use it. When Ruiz fought against Joshua, the one thing he had going for him, besides the great heart that he showed, but the one thing he had going for him was he had fought Joseph Parker, lost a close decision, and he knew he belonged at a certain level. 
That wasn't a question. So that's important to know. And Selecki knows he he can fight at that level because he made a good showing against Jacobs. He came up short. Lost the unanimous decision. But he he showed that he can compete at that level. It's his only blemish. Yeah. So that that's good. But this is, you know, a whole different kettle of fish. Because, first of all, to finish on Selecki, I want to just say, like most Polish fighters, for some reason, they seem to have an aggressive, fan-friendly style, a fun style. I like watching Selecki. Yeah. But he also knows what he's doing. He There was a level of competence, too. It wasn't just that, you know, you hit me, you hit me four, and I hit you two back, mm-hmm. you know. I, no, he, he knew what he was doing in there. So there was some polish there, too. Um, but... Like I said, he, against Jacobs, Jacobs, even though that level, and he had a good showing, even though he came up short, Jacobs is more conventional in style, more standard. And talented guy, good fighter, we know that. He just gave a tussle to Canelo and a tussle to Triple G. And he's a former world champion in his own right. And he's got a great story, defeating cancer. Um, But... He's he's a like I said he's he's more prototypical. He Andre is anything but prototypical. Andre is anything but conventional. Andre is anything but standard. You know, Andre. Uh, as I said, I wore this Olympic shirt because I knew we were going to be talking about an Olympian. Andre was in the 2008 Olympics. I caught those fights, uh, and for NBC, and. He was he was thought of as I think in my book my estimation of my memory can stretch back that far as maybe the most talented guy on the team. He didn't he disappointed yeah and his you know he, the whole team disappointed to be quite frank and and they've continued to disappoint for many years, uh, not getting to that level that we used to think of the USA Olympic team being on, but he you know. He's a very talented, first of all, his physicality. He's long, he's tall. I mean, he can hit you with a jab across the street. Yeah. Uh, and he's here. And he's got those long, kind of like Wilder with those long arms. Uh, he's got long arms. He's got good height. He's got the amateur pedigree. I don't know if it's 150, 200, whatever it is, fights. But he was an Olympian. He's got all that stuff going for him. And he's got physical talent. Mm-hmm. And he's awkward. He's unconventional. I'll tell you one thing. He doesn't make good fights. Mm-hmm. He, But that's part of his talent. Oh, mm-hmm. Teddy, what do you mean? What, what what talent to not making good fights? He makes you fight his fight. He doesn't let you fight your fight. He takes your strengths away. That's a talent. That's a talent. Yep. And it's kind of like one of those superheroes in the comic books. I forget which one it was. Dr. Doom. <laughs> but, but, but if he, no, it was someone else. It might have been. Uh, uh, it might have been with the the X Men. Might have been the girl that if she took her gloves off because you didn't want her to touch her with the glo- with uh, the gloves off because when she touched you, she took your strength away. <laughs> you know, right, right there. I mean, she she destroyed you, and. Sort of. That's that's obviously a talent. That's why uh, she was a mutant, and <laughs> you know yeah. she, she was an X Men woman. 
But Andrade has the ability to take your talent away, to not allow you to perform in in your sphere, in in your universe. He he takes away your ability to do the things that you're comfortable that you normally need to do, and you do. He makes it an ugly fight. He makes it his fight. Yep. He makes you fight his fight on his terms. And that's a talent. That's a talent. And I tell you, Triple G is not in a hurry to fight him. Not nope. that not that he wouldn't beat him, but uh, because of what I'm describing. Because first of all, it wouldn't be a scintillating fight. It wouldn't be a fight that everybody would want to mark on their calendar to be home to watch because he doesn't make scintillating fights. He takes the air out of the room. A little bit like yeah. Mayweather. A little bit like Mayweather. Yeah. Mayweather didn't make good fights, but great fights. I mean, he made some good ones, uh, and he was great. And I love Mayweather. But he would his great ability, he could take the air out of the room. You know, he keep you from doing what you do. And that's a great talent. And Andre, to a certain degree, not to that level, um, and not to that level of, of excitement or, or theater either, but he's able to do that. He's undefeated. Uh, he WBO champion. Yeah, but he hasn't been active. There's been some, That's right. some warts in his career. He hasn't yeah. been active. He hasn't fought much. So that could catch up to you sooner or later. There's no doubt about it. He has some. His father used to be involved in his career, and then they had some falling out. I don't know exactly where that exists now, but uh, he went through different things with his promoters, uh, different kinds of problems. But now he, he's never gotten to the. T- even though he's world champion, he he wants to get to that triple G fight or something. You know? That's right. And obviously he's got to get through this uh, to get to that that mountain, if you will, to that pinnacle, and. He, it is going to be, I say it all the time, boxing is about geography. Where you, where you fight the fight in the ring. Is it in the geography you like or the geography I like? Yeah. Andre will be on the outside and he will tie Selecki, who likes to be aggressive, who knows what he's doing, slipping punches and stuff like he showed in Jacobs, but it won't be with Jacobs. It won't be with a standard guy. Yeah. And Andre will, he give him fits. Mm-hmm. He will, he will put a wrinkle in his plans. He will tie him up in knots. If, if, if Literally, figuratively, he'll tie him up if he has to, but he will fight in his geography with the long arms on the outside mm-hmm. and not let Selecki get to where his where he can where he can maximize his ability in the geography that he needs which is close yeah he'd never let him get there for the most part and so i think i broke it down as good as i want to break it down and can break it down uh, at the end of the day selecki a guy that fan friendly i don't know if he'll be fan friendly that night because of this guy's ability to make ugly fights how do you see it ending I, I see it going the route. Andre Andre has power, but he doesn't always sit down and display it. You know, he's the kind of guy, his, your mentality drives your physicality, drives your physical talents. It, it, your, your physical talents is a passenger in a car, and the mentality is the drive of the car. Uh, it takes those physicalities wherever the mentality can take it or the driver takes it. He has the abilities to punch, but his mentality is to be more safety, more careful, 
more thoughtful in those ways, Andre being he. And because of that, he might drop. I could see him possibly dropping Selecki, catching him some clean shots, trying to get in. Yeah. Uh, and making him expose himself and, and taking risk. I can see that. I can see Selecki being on, on the floor, but he's got hard, I believe, and he'll get off the floor. I'm going to say that it's going to be uh, not a prettiest fight in the world, and I'm going to say Andre's going to dominate, win a unanimous decision, possibly late round stoppage, maybe cut him up a little bit. Yeah. But definitely, definitely win the fight in a pretty handy way. Gotcha. Well, we're going to wrap it up for today. I just want to give a special shout out again to our uh, first sponsor, 10,000, maker of the best gym shorts in the world. Please check them out at 10,000.cc slash the fight for a special coupon code for our listeners. Thank you again to everyone for all your support. For the record, these guys have over 2,000 five-star reviews and they've got a 30-day no questions asked return policy. Get a pair of shorts, check them out. If you don't like them, send them back. They'll refund all your money. And thanks for being with us. And, and you know what else you get? I'll throw this in now. Right? Ken, he's my man. He'll go along with it. He's a good man. He's a team man. You get a picture of Ken in the shorts. <laughs> and before I sign off, one other thing that I wanted to add. I'm sorry. Please, we're giving away uh, two signed boxing gloves signed by Andrew Cancio and Teddy Atlas. See the notes uh, on the show notes for details on how we're going to give them away, but please check that out. Uh, two gloves signed by Teddy and Andrew Cancio. Uh, see show notes for details on how we're going to give them away. Can I say one more thing? Yes. If you buy this good product, it helps ensure that we can continue doing this. If you enjoy it, I hope you do. And maybe... You never know. I'm a believer in maybes. I'm a believer in dreams. I'm a believer that things lead to bigger things. Maybe it'll become so big, we even make a calendar with Ken wearing these shorts on different months. <laughs> it would be my pleasure. Okay. Thanks for being with us.